Kevin. Thank you, David. Thank you, Marty. Okay. I had a good time preparing this message for tonight. And uh, I tell you what, when you sit down to prepare a message like this, you begin to really appreciate what our, our, our pastors go through to bring us a message of grace each and every week. I tell you what, I'm thankful for, for Jim. I really am. Thankful for the food he dishes out to us every week. I'm sure those on the internet watching Jim regularly can feel the same way about that as well. Let's go ahead and pray, okay? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that you brought us together tonight, that you brought us together into this, this, uh, this building to worship you, to honor you. Father, that's what this uh, message is about. That's what this worship service is about. It's about you. And Lord, I'd ask that you bless our time here. Lord, that it wouldn't be in vain. That it would be honorable to you. That, Lord, that our words would rise up to heaven. And they would be pleasing in your sight, in your ears. Father, I'd ask that you'd knit our hearts together in love. Lord, that you cause us to love one another, to, to rely on one another, and to, to love one another. Father, I'd ask that you bless this message, bless our time of worship, and we thank you for everything in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. We're going to take a look at a verse in Scripture that I'm pretty sure that most of you are all pretty familiar with. It's a passage of Scripture that I believe is foundational. Foundational in its importance. And in my opinion, it may be the most important verse in all of Scripture. One of the most important verses, let's put it that way. Maybe not the most, but it's pretty up there. And... Uh, what our Lord is speaking to us in this one verse, if you haven't guessed it already, it's foundational to everything we believe, and not just about salvation in Christ, but everything we believe about the creator of the universe. And I also find much comfort in this verse, and I'm sure you will too. And this verse I'm talking about is Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. For I am the Lord, and I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Our salvation is not just that God's love is unconditional. It's founded upon the fact that God's love cannot be changed. God's love is immutable, meaning that it's not mutable or it's not, it's not changeable, just as God himself is not mutable or changeable. There once was a Greek philosopher, his name was Heraclitus, who once said, change is the only constant. And this man, he looked around this world for answers. He, he looked everywhere. He could think for answers to his deep philosophical questions. 
and he couldn't find the answers he was looking for. He had what uh, philosophers at the time, Greek philosophers, there are a lot of them, they referred to at the time as a logos philosophical outlook. Or in other words, he had a formula to his philosophical theory of life. And logos, that's a Greek word. Uh, Logic, that's the anatomy of thought. And logos is the appeal to logic. And in our Bible, the Greek word logos has been translated to the word. And Heraclitus' logos philosophy was that the world exists as a coherent system in which a change in one direction ultimately balanced, was ultimately balanced out by a change in a, another corresponding cha- direction. And obviously that's wrong, but uh, there was an answer to that. And the very first verse in the New Testament uses this Greek word logos. In a sense, you could say it's an appeal to logic. You could also say it's a response to the uh, wicked Greek philosophy at the time, which was constantly hung up trying to understand the world around them. And the beginning was the Word, or Logos. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And because Heraclitus didn't know the true Logos, or the true Word, he was driven to such deep despair, and he strived to make sense of this ever-changing world. And because of his failure to understand, his desperation for answers, they led him to a point where he just ended up taking his own life and committing suicide. He simply couldn't make sense of all the change that we see in this world. Everything is changing. Everything. This world is changing. You're changing. I'm changing. Your loved ones and your relationships, they're changing. Everything that we experience is in in a constant state of change. It's in a constant constant flux. It's, It's just constant. So, let me ask you this. How many times do you spend trying to control the changes in your life? For me, I'll just be honest with you, it's a constant battle. I'm I'm continually dealing with all kinds of things, like relationship changes. I'm sure you are as well. More recently, I've been dealing with career changes. And it's natural for, for us as people to try to get a hold of what possible changes are coming for us and try to manipulate the outcome to what we think is going to be the best result. But that's just it. We don't necessarily know what the best result is and we can't change our lives to any degree because we really can't anticipate what is going to happen. That's because we aren't God. We don't have our Lord's omniscience. That is, we don't see everything that He sees. We aren't omnipotent like he is either. And nearly everything in our life, everything, it's outside of our control. But our God, he's omniscient. He's omnipotent. And he's not like us at all. And because he's omniscient, that is, he sees everything. And because he is omnipotent, that is, he has power over everything, he can control 
everything. He can control all things. And I've often thought I've had control over my life. You know, if I'd, I'd often thought if I had con control over my life, <laughs> I'd change a lot of things. How many times have you desired more financial stability or better relationships with your friends and loved ones? How often have you regretted the decisions of your past? Ask yourself that one. Decisions which led quite possibly to tragic consequences. Decisions which led to a life of sorrow and pain. I know I've made regrettable decisions. I probably will continue to do, to do so. And I'm sure everyone here listening tonight has as well. And I'm sure we've all thought maybe a time or two that if we could go back in time with the omnipotence or the omniscience of God and correct some of our poor decisions, we would. They even make movies about that sort of thing. However, I believe that if we had the wisdom of God, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't change a single thing. God said, I change not. And he is the one that's in complete control over this constantly changing world of which you and I are a part. And that is so comforting to me. It's so comforting to know that my Lord is immutable. It's comforting to us because we don't need to worry about anything. It's comforting to us because we don't even need to understand all the changes that are going on around us. Charles Spurgeon once spoke in a sermon, You may change your plans, but he shall never, never change his. Then has he told me that his plan is to save me? If so, I'm safe. And you guys may remember my last sermon. I preached on Romans 8.28. We're all familiar with that verse. And we know that all things work together for good. We know. And there are some of you that might think that this verse means good is being worked out for everybody. But that's not true. Pay close attention to that verse. For some, nothing is going to work out to good for them. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Every single thing that the Lord is doing in this world for his people, for the glory of his Son, and the salvation of his like children, is for our good. In Psalm 146, verse 3, the psalmist wrote, Put not your trust in princes or in men, in whom there is no help. We don't put our trust in the president. We don't put our trust in the government or in any other thing that's man-made. There's no help in these things. But we do put our trust in them, don't we? If we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we do. We try to control the changes about us by putting trust in man. Whether that be ourselves or somebody else in our lives or somebody we don't know. And I think we're all guilty of this, uh, myself included, because we're all pretty, very, very weak people. In Isaiah 54, verse 10, the prophet Isaiah wrote, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. 
but my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that has mercy on me. Hmm. Our God, he changes not. That's what God meant when he told both Abraham and David that the covenant he made with them, that was an everlasting covenant. It's ordered in all things, and it's sure. What else is sure? Well, I'm sure some of you all thought at one time something was sure, only to find out later that it wasn't. <laughs> I once thought I had a job. I found out it wasn't a sure thing. <laughs> There's change, and it's all about us. Our kids grow up. They leave the house. You know, we, we settle into a job or a career and find out later it wasn't as permanent as we thought it was. Or we're born and we grow up in a land where people are respectable and they support one another. We were raised in the land of the free. We grew up in a nation that we thought was wholesome. And the, the phrase, uh, that's American is apple pie. That was something I grew up. Grew up repeating myself and others only to find out years later that our nation has changed. Evil's crept in. Or maybe we're just more aware of it now. I don't know. But God says, I am the Lord. I change not. <laughs> there you go. It's, it, that, that's where we can find rest. That's the place where we can find peace, hope, and comfort. Our God, He changes not. All right, let's go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. And Paul's writing to the Philippians here in this, in this chapter. And he wrote that the peace of God passeth all understanding. What, what Paul means here in this verse by the word passive, he means better than. He's not saying the peace of God cannot be understood. He's saying the peace of God is better than any understanding you or, my, you or I might think we have. And that understanding, it shall keep our heart and our mind in Christ. That's our hope. That's our, that's our confidence. That's our peace. See, we have peace of heart knowing that our Lord is in control. We have peace knowing that our Lord does not change. Our God's immutable. And He's in charge of all the events of our lives. He's, he's controlling every single aspect of them for our good and for His glory. And, and the Lord says to us here in this passage that this peace that we have, this peace that enables us to rest in Christ, to trust Him, it is higher than it's better than any earthly understanding we think we can muster. I am the Lord, I change not. And that is the reason, that's the reason you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Or overwhelmed with distress, with depression, or fear. That's why we don't, we don't succumb to those things entirely. That's the reason those of you who, who rest in the Lord are not consumed with these things or your own sinfulness. And yeah, all of our sin that we have, it's quite a struggle. You, you say to yourself, huh, I'm never going to do that again. Mm -mm. 
I'm not going to commit that sin again. But then you turn around maybe a day later and do the thing you said you weren't going to do. For me, it's getting mad at red lights or bad drivers on the road. But why? Why, why do I do that? Why do you do that? Well, you all know your struggles. Why? Because, and this is, this is the answer here, because you changed. Because I changed. Our resolve changed. Our state of mind, it changed. You thought you were never going to do that awful thing again. But the Lord says, I am the Lord. I change not. And that is the reason you sons of Jacob are not consumed. <laughs> we have a God who has never changed. There never was a time when he was not. And there never will be a time where he'll cease to be. He changes not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord, and I change not. How can we even fathom that? The Lord has never learned anything. He's never asked a question in order to learn something. He knows everything. He isn't evolving like we are. He's not a created being like we are. And he doesn't depend upon anything or anybody. He says, I am that I am. He says, I'm the self-existent one. I possess everything within myself. I've never asked a question. I've never changed my mind. I've never learned anything. I've never improved on anything. I'm completely contained within myself. I change not. Now in this ever-changing world in which our Lord shakes the foundations of our lives on many different levels, what is the purpose of that? Hebrews 12 speaks of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Hebrews 12.28 says that wherefore we, can, we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved or cannot be shaken, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and with fear, with godly fear. The Lord, he shakes our foundations. And he does so he does so so that the things that are made are removed. And those things that aren't made, they might remain. Let's go ahead and turn all the way to the very beginning of our Bible. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Just take a good close look at this one. I love this verse. In the beginning, God. If we could just believe those first four words of Scripture... The rust would fall into place, wouldn't it? Would it not? Now let's turn to chapter John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, or the Logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now usually we tend to think that light is necessary for life. 
But God says right here that life is necessary for light. The life of Christ is the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Let's go to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many has received them, him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So let's stop there. Somebody might be asking themselves, so if I believe this message, I can become a son of God? Oh, let's continue. Let's go to verse 13 here. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I am the Lord, I change not. Let's go to Psalm 102, verse 25. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. The children of thy servants shall continue, and their seed shall be established before thee. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The book of James tells us that God is the Father of lights, and with him there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. He doesn't change. So here's a question for you. Do you think your prayers can change God? The answer is no, not at all. Prayer changes you. Prayer changes me. It doesn't change God. God has ordained that we shall pray, and he sets our hearts and mind as to what to pray for, and he has us to pray for the things that he's already determined to do. Did you know that? Colossians 2, 9 through 10 says, For in him, which is in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. He is the head of all principality and power. So when God says that he is the Lord and he changes not, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed, he's talking about his essential nature. He's talking about his attributes. He's talking about who he is as God. He cannot change. He cannot be improved upon. He cannot change his mind. He cannot learn mature, grow or evolve. He's not like us. He said, I'm the Lord. He's always been and always shall be. And the Lord Jesus Christ is in perfect union with the Father. All the attributes of God are true. Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Not only does God not change in his attributes or his essential nature, but he doesn't change in his purpose or his decrees. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 4. skipping around here, but it shouldn't be too bad. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked, for the day of evil. And the wrath of man shall praise the Lord. Now let's turn to Isaiah 45 and verse 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. The Lord creates evil. He creates darkness. And He creates peace. He does it all. If you were to walk out of this building tonight, maybe get robbed or shot, something awful like run over by a car or even killed, Terrific as that sounds, you can know that this was purposed for your good. You know, that kind of makes my head explode when I think about that, but because the natural mind cannot comprehend such things. Only the regenerate mind, the one that's been renewed, only the, only the person with a new heart or that's been given by the Spirit from above, only they can comprehend such a thing as God creating evil for your good. And, and these people, these regenerate people, they, these people can only comprehend such seemingly inconceivable things as this. They also have assurance and are enabled to rest because they know God doesn't change. He's in control. Everything is of Him and to Him and through Him are all things. He's the creator, He's the sustainer, and the purpose of everything. And he's saying to us in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, I am the Lord, and I change not. In Revelation 4.11, John, who was in exile, he wrote, uh, For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. <laughs> Everything is for the purpose of God. Everything is for his glory. Psalm 33.11 says that the counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart are to all generations. We change our mind, we change our thoughts, and we change our purposes. We change even our ideas. Why? Well, because our circumstances change. And you know what God says? He says, I change not. I change not. Proverbs 19.21 says that there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Oh, we've got our plans, don't we? <laughs> Proverbs 16.9 says the mind of the man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. I am the Lord. Don't you find that comforting? He's immutable. Omniscient, omnipresent, sovereign. He cannot change. 
And so often we find ourselves in changing circumstances that really disturb us, disturb us greatly. And these things, they, they're controlled by the hand of our Lord. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And we'll start in verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. Let's go to verse 10. I have seen the the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. Our Lord, he's given us these travails that we might be exercised in them. What's he doing? He's shaking that which was made, so that which was not, be, that which was not made cannot be shaken. How much time do we spend trying to figure out our, our circumstances and our travails? We've got some sort of disease or trial that we're going through. Uh, dealing with financial difficulties or we're on the road with a bad battery stuck on the interstate. Yeah, <laughs> We really can't figure these things out sometimes, but only God knows what's coming next. We don't know what's coming next. <laughs> we, don't, we can't see. We can't see from one moment to the next. Skip to verse 14. But I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. And this is true of everything. But what it's especially true of is Christ's atoning work of redemption on Calvary. That is God's crowning work. That is the work that brings him the most glory. And that is the sacrifice that Christ made to the Father on the cross to justify the demands of God's justice. And Solomon right here in in, in this verse, he says right here that whatsoever God doeth, that shall be forever. Nothing can be put to Christ's work, nor anything taken from it. You can't add to what Christ did. You can't throw your two cents in. (laughs) Your decisions or your works, you, you can't make his work effectual. His work was effectual. Christ's work, it accomplished what God purposed to be accomplished. Isaiah 55.11 says that, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Now, the gospel, when it's preached, it always accomplishes something. It either calls God's elect to believe, it may strengthen the elect in their understanding, or it hardens the heart of those who won't believe. But I also believe that this verse can be applied to Christ's work of redemption and salvation. Christ is the Word. He is the Logos. He is the logic. And when He returned to the Father in glory after finishing the work in salvation, He didn't return to the Father void. He brought with Him etched upon His hands the names of all of us and all the elect, every single person for whom He died. And He's seated right next to 
next to the right hand of the Father on high. He's the successful Savior. And nothing can be added to or taken away from what He's done. And right there, that's our confidence. That's right, that, right there, that's our hope. He's the Lord. And He changes not. And that is the reason we sons of Jacob, we sons of Jacob, are not consumed. We'd all be consumed by our sin. We'd all be consumed by our circumstances if what Christ had done was not sure and steadfast. He changes not. He's the Lord. He's God. All right, turn to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24. I love this one. The Lord of hosts have sworn or promised, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. (laughs) How glorious is that? We process thoughts trying to come up with the best conclusion based on our circumstances. We play out, we, we have mind games in our head. We play out things in our mind to try to determine the best way to proceed in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. But our Lord doesn't think like that. Whatever thought he has, it's done. I, Isaiah said, as I have thought, so shall it stand. Our God doesn't have vain thoughts like you and I do. He never has to try and figure things out like you and I do. He says... I am the Lord, and I change not. It's his immutability. It's his ability, not yours. Let's go down a few verses to verse 27. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? Who is the strong right hand of God? It's our Lord Jesus Christ. He is. God says his hand is stretched out. Who's going to turn back his hand? Who's going to try to disannul what he's done in Christ? The answer is nobody. Not even he will disannul it. Christ's work, it's, it's as sure as anything can be sure. Let's go down to uh, chapter 46 and verse 9. Remember the things... Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. That's so clear. That's God's word. That's God speaking to us. What else do we really need to know? You know, with all the change that occurs in this world... We can rest in our mutable God. And He has a purpose. And His purpose is comprised of His thoughts. And the great thing about His thoughts is He's never had a new one. <laughs> Let's look at verse 11 there. Call on a ravenous bird from the east. The man, and Christ Jesus is the man, He's the God-man. The man that executeth my counsel from a far country Yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, I'll also do it. (laughs) 
everything that God's purposed, He's going to do it. And He's purposed to love His people. In Jeremiah, you guys are all familiar with this passage. He says He's loved us with an everlasting love, and with loving kindness He has drawn thee. But we as people, we don't love each other continually, do we? We don't have everlasting love for each other. Our love changes. That speaks poorly on us, but it does. God's doesn't. Our love is conditional. As much as we like to say it, it isn't, it is. And it's usually conditioned upon that which, which can and does often change. God's love is also conditional, by the way. But his love is conditioned on something that doesn't change. That's Christ. That can't change. It won't change. Christ has already done all that he needed to do. It's fixed. It can't change. God isn't going to change his mind about us. Uh, His love truly is everlasting. God joined himself to human flesh. And he joined his deity with with that which was made in the likeness of you and me. And he put himself under the law, obeying it perfectly. And he was obedient even to the point of death. He served himself up as a sacrifice on Calvary where his blood was spilt on our behalf. Our names. They're etched in the palm, the palms of his hands. Our names have been written in the book of life from eternity. And there is nothing, nothing that can take our name out of that book. Nothing. Our names are written there before we were even born. And that book cannot change. It cannot change. It's a done deal. Christ's work cannot change. It's finished. God's love cannot change. He can't learn anything new. He can't discover something about us that will cause him to change his mind. We can't do something that's going to cause him to stop loving us, no matter what it is. He already knows what we're going to do. He's already purposed us. He's purposed everything. I am the Lord. And I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Hmm. That is so comforting. I hope you find it comforting as well. We have a God in this ever-changing world. And yeah, the only thing that is constant is indeed change. As far as our natural minds can perceive it. But we know from the scriptures and we read with a spiritual heart and a spiritual mind that there is only one true constant. Our God. He does not change. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Paul says in Galatians 1.5 But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb Or in other words, Paul is saying that even his birth was ordained by God and called me by his grace to reveal his Son in me. Even our life in Christ is purposed of God. Our calling in Christ is purposed of God. And even our death is purposed of God. It's appointed. It's purposed. It's ordained of God that everybody's going to die. All men shall die. And after that, the judgment. And Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, he's there representing us so that all that judgment 
all that judgment we were due for all of our sin. It didn't fall on us, it falls on him. And God says, I change not. You can't go back on that. And if that was not true, you'd be consumed. Your shame, your discouragement, your sin, everything that this changing world has to throw at you, it'd consume you. But our God, He changes not. Therefore, you who believe, you are not consumed. Amen.